This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to the DTV Digest, the podcast which brings you reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema and instead went straight to DVD, Blu-ray or streaming media. I'm your host Mike Parkin and joining me this week is Richard Hawes. Hello everybody. Awesome. This week we've got two feature reviews. We're going to kick off with Arkansas, move on to Open 24 Hours. Our short shot this week is Do No Harm. And we're going to round off with a DTV throwback, Stormtrooper. So let's crack on. Our first review then is Arkansas. Kyle and Swin are two low-level drug dealers working out of a national park in Arkansas. When one of their drug deals goes awry, it brings their safe, boring domesticity to a crashing halt, piling up bodies and bringing them to the attention of their big boss, the frog, who's a lot closer than either would have imagined. Now, Rich, um, there's certain films that you know you're going to like right from the off. From the very first scene, you can say, yeah, this, this, I, I get the vibe of this. I, I can sort of fit in with this. I think I'm going to like where this is heading. And this is one of those films for me. Um, the very first scene, we, we have uh, Liam Hemsworth, uh, just sitting in a chair, doing a bit of narration. Um, but he, he's got the right sort of cadence. You know, he's, the, 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 the way it's written is pretty decent. And then we get this sort of scene of this guy sort of trying to rip off him and his boss. Um, and it sort of sets things up and gets things rolling. And I, I, I really like the, the sort of shaggy dog style tale that, that is being told. You know, there's, there's no real... Well, there are big stakes as far as life and death is concerned, but in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, this isn't Sicario. Let's put it that way. Uh, how did you find uh, Arkansas? I, I I did like it a lot. It is borrowing in t- structurally and sort of thematically to an extent from Quentin Tarantino. Uh, with you know, it feels like it could have been made in the 90s, being that it's, you know, structurally it feels quite Pulp Fiction-like. You know, it's got this chapter structure. Uh, It sort of hops around between characters. Uh, But I really like that. And actually, the so the the first chapter, the first part of the film is Liam Liam Hemsworth and Clark Duke, who's who's almost like a comedy sidekick kind of character. He's also the the film's director uh, in this instance. And uh, we spend the time with them. Uh, but then, and we see uh, Vince Vaughn very briefly, but we also see uh, John Malkovich, who's brilliant, yeah. uh, is doing another of his sort of memorably quirky characters. Uh, but then it's the second chapter, which really got me, where, which, where we start t- spending time with Vince Vaughn's character, Fro- uh, Frog, or the Frog, uh, as he's known. Uh, and his flashback kind of story of... Uh, I guess it's his rise, really, to how did he become a kingpin, you know, character. Uh, it sort of flips between the, the, the sort of what's happening now and the chances yeah. where we go back and see Vince Ford's character. And it, and it was his character, really, that you know sold me on the film. I liked them all. Uh, Vince, Ford, uh, not Vince Vaughn, um, 
Liam Hemsworth is kind of the, the headline star on this, but he doesn't get a huge amount to, to do apart from be really, really tough, you know, really firm, really confident. Yeah. Um, and and he's he is, he is kind of the main character sort of overall, but it's the it's the other characters like Vince Vaughn and, and Clark Duke and uh, John Malkovich that for me were what sort of what really sold the film. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, as good as Liam Hemsworth is in this, and he is good, um, he's the straight man, basically. Yes, he? he is, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's the other characters who provide the colour. Excuse me, the colour in it. And the, the, sort of the, the real enigma in this is um, Clark Duke as Swin. Um, because you just can't help liking the guy. You know, even Kyle, you know, sort of Liam Hemsworth's character, for all his toughness, he can't help liking the guy. And as much as he sort of like antagonizes him, you know, um, there's a sort of real sort of sweet relationship, you know, and friendship there. And even he manages to sweep this girl off her feet, you know, who is miles above his his um his, he's out of his league. His, <laughs> not out of his league, you know, not even in the same spot as as um Samuel Jackson would put it. You know. Um Well just explain explain to the listeners what, what what does he look like? What what's his style, you know? Oh how to describe it. Uh, he's got like a top knot and he's got this sort of weird little mustache and he's about five foot tall, pot bellied. But he, he's he's got a certain amount of confidence, and you know he, he does have this sort of endearing quality to him. It's 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 bizarre. But um, colourful yeah, clothes he's, that don't match, you know. It's just he's yeah, he's just he's a bit he's he's quite shabby, and he only wears glasses and sunglasses and stuff. Yeah, he's really he's he's very much a sort of a quirky character. Clark Clark Duke's played that sort of. Um, sort of wisecracking sort of sidekick character in, in quite a lot of stuff. I mean, I haven't seen the, the Hot Tub Time Machine movies, but I know he's in those. Oh, I, but I first saw him in a film called, uh, like a teen, teen movie called Sex Drive. He, sort of re- he jumped as sort of the standout um, member of the cast in, in that, you know, did a renewed, bit like a Ryan Reynolds kind of thing, you know, just sort of fun, you know, did funny, funny lines and stuff. And uh, yeah, he's really good in this. He he gets to do straight stuff as well as you know, sort of the the more com- the comical lines. A bit like what John Malkovich does, um, who's who, albeit he's playing a tougher character. But, but uh, they're all having there's all these characters having a lot of fun. They're quirky, and I like that. Vince Vaughn's actually a bit more like Liam Hemsworth. He's kind of a cross between two of the two guys because he's got yeah. this very colourful dress sense. He wears these really like. Um, uh, what's what's uh, Duke's character's name? Swin. Like Swin, he's got these very flashy shirts, although a bit more stylish. I was thinking of you know the kind of shirts that Steven Seagal used to wear in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Especially in Fire Down Below. And one of the shirts that I think when Vince Vaughn goes to the prison, he's got like this black shirt with these colourful stripes on it, which I'm sure is basically exactly the same as one of the one of the things Seagal wore. Um, you don't see that very often. It's a very interesting wardrobe choice, you know, that they've gone for there with his character because he's a very understated kind of character. Um, doesn't really doesn't really flash around. But 
but he likes his country music and that, and he's got these sort of really eye-catching shirts. Vince Vaughn, that I've I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff for a long time, but I know he's he's had good notices on um, uh, Brawl in Cell Block '99. I was in in that as well. So yeah, I definitely think need to check out more of Vince Vaughn's stuff because he was he was very good in this. He 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 plays both the younger version of himself and sort of current sort of older version. Uh, We've also got Vivica A. Fox in there as as another character. She doesn't appear as much, but that might be yeah. that could be a Tarantino sort of nod because obviously she was in Kill Bill and, and that I don't know but yeah it's based on a novel which I didn't realise until the closing credits by mm. uh, John, John Brandon and it's uh, yeah I mean it even says drawing comparisons to people like Quentin Tarantino and stuff in 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 the book uh, when it, yeah. I'm not sure when it was written so that that's not something that Clark's brought to it that was originally there in the in, in the source material, but I, I, yeah, I really, I did, I did, I really, I didn't take a huge amount of notes on this, uh, but it was, uh, it's just a really good film with really great characters. Yeah, so a couple of other characters need to mention that um, there's the two twins, for example, yeah, um, who um, come into it later on. I think they get their own chapter mm-hmm. late, late in the film, um, have a big sort of say in how things develop. Um, it's funny how they age, but Vince Vaughn doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, what interests me is that we got Patrick Muldoon in this as well. Really, I didn't spot it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he, Patrick Muldoon is, is some people may know. It was uh, in Starship Troopers. As, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, and so, loads yeah, of B movie action well. stuff around the sort of same yeah. time. He was, he was, a, he was a leading man for a while, wasn't he? Right. He probably yeah, still is. Um, I, I know he's done a lot of TV movies. He did. Um, but yeah. Who, who was he in this then? Uh, played a character called Joe, I believe. And who was who was Joe? What was? was I remember. Oh right. Okay. That's, that's, that's the issue, isn't it? It's because um, I wasn't sure was it, if it was the guy they that the frog sent, you know, go knock on the door. Well, I think his name was Barry. Barry, maybe. I think so. Can't remember. Yeah. But maybe it was. I don't know. But I probably wouldn't recognise him because so so long, you know, it's been so long since I've seen him in something. But yeah, good cast, really good cast. It is a very good cast, and it's a very, yeah, very good film. Um, interestingly structured, but not in a confusing way. It's not like um, you know, um, Pulp Fiction, where you're sort of like going, "Well, did this happen before that happened, or anything like that?" Um, well, everything's very clearly signposted when they when they do go back in time. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things I did like as well was um, you know when, when you're following the um, Kyle and Swin and the things they have to do yeah, because they're reacting to things happening to them, and you think yeah that's a reason you know a reasonable set of circumstances and you're on board with their actions, but then it sort of spins it around and you, you get get to hear it from Frog's perspective and how they're acting and how it's just like super suspicious and and like he's like going these are my worst enemies <laughs> and it's like yeah I could kind of see that too you know on the one hand I can see why they're acting this way and doing doing what it is they're doing their thought process but at the same time I can see why you'd think that you know that these guys 
are just sort of the worst people you could ever meet. So it was, it was quite interesting. Um, how are you going to score this one? Again, I'm going to go a high-end seven on this one. Uh, not again, because like obviously it's the first episode, but the... Um... Seven, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is dealing with sort of like... Um, it's sort of low-rent sort of drug dealing, isn't it? You know, it's 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 the mundanity, you know, and the fact that um, sort of, um, Carl's character, the character of Kyle, enjoys the mundanity of it. He's not after flashy cars or anything. He just likes sort of the normality of what he's doing. So it, it's it's not mega exciting for, for long stretches, but at the same time, it's it, it's a lot of fun. Um, the characters are great to hang out with as well. So yeah, check this out when it when it comes out. This is um, two sevens for Arkansas. Our next review is Open 24 Hours. After spending time in prison for setting her serial killer boyfriend on fire, a paranoid delusional called Mary manages to get hold of a job on the night shift at a local gas station. However, she still has violent delusions, believing she is being stalked by her boyfriend. But are they just delusions, Rich? That's the big question here. Um, there's definitely a case of, like, is she or isn't she insane um, being pitched at the audience um, and there's a couple of good red herrings along the way to sort of keep us on edge as to what's really going on. Um, how did you find this one? I, fa- I, I found it quite uh, it seemed quite familiar and quite generic. I wasn't, over, I wasn't particularly interested in it for, for most of the time. I think there's some interesting visuals uh, some of it's uh, particularly there's like a man on fire hallucination uh, moment in the film, which which really caught my attention. Uh, it's you know takes a place around a service station, uh, which is open 24 hours. So she's working the night shift, and uh, so we meet a small number of characters who are around. Her. So one of her co-workers, for example, sort of comes in, checks on her and stuff, uh, and her. Uh, parole officer um, uh, a couple of people who come in to buy some petrol and and whatnot but it's mostly you know the quiet moments when she's on her own you know so there's um, you know something spooky's happening or whatever and she's she's not quite sure and we're not sure either Uh, the thing was from the very start of the film it reminded me a lot and I don't know if this is warranted because I haven't seen the film for a long time as Switchblade Romance or Huit oh, yeah. Tension, uh, the French film, which was like yeah. a, which was a, 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 again, very much kind of a slasher movie with yeah. a, a. And I have to admit, I, I was wondering if it was going to go down that route. You know, if it was going to sort of turn out as like all her or something. Yeah, I mean, I think to a, to an extent there is a kind of a question mark, but I think for the yeah. most part it's kind of uh, it's it's pretty clear what's what's been happening. It kind of it kind of mixes up both, but just into even in terms of the aesthetic as well as the setup and everything, it was just all seemed so similar to that. Uh, just in terms of my memory, say it has been a good what 15 years or whatever since that film came out. So I, I don't I don't I don't know if it's entirely warranted. But that was that. I couldn't help but think of that. Uh, there's other films like I know what you did last summer. You get a feel because it's kind of got this 
killer with a sort of uh, rain slicker sort of jacket on and stuff. It's, it's all unremarkable. And then there was a film, there was also a, a cable TV uh, thing, John Carpenter's Body Bags, which I'm sure had a, a scene, which I'm a similar sort of small, like 20 minute story that took place in a, in a gas station kind of setting. So that I was also thinking of that as well. But yeah, I could, ta- to be honest, I can take or leave this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think I enjoyed it a bit more than you did. Mm-hmm. Um, if enjoyed the right word, I, it, I, I liked the, the, the idea that, you know, this could all be just in her head and, or, you know, um, she could be just imagining things. Uh, there are a couple of sort of very vivid um, sort of waking dreams she has, like where she walks into a bathroom and sees a vision of her sort of boyfriend drowning some poor girl mm-hmm. you know, in the bath uh, and things like that. Well, here's um, the thing. It's, what, I just want to say, did she, didn't she seem a bit too young to have gone through what she's gone through? Because she's supposed to have had, you know, the, the idea was that she's had this boyfriend, he was a killer, uh, she sort of tried to stop him, but there was a there's like, sort of like a question mark over her complicity in some of it. Uh, and she's been to prison and she's got out, but she's she looks like she's just got out of, you know, <laughs> just like a you know young sort of college age yeah, yeah. sort of going. So exactly. where it seemed like it should be maybe a an older character, you know, ten years older. Maybe. Yeah, been down the road maybe a bit. I don't know. So that kind well, of was a bit jarring. A friend looked a bit older. You know, her, um, her blonde friend mm-hmm. who, um, had, you know, she makes the mistake of saying, that, you know, the classic, oh, I'm your best, you're my best friend, I will always stick with you. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> okay. In fact, I wrote my notes at that point. Um, yeah, blonde, gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about the in media res? Now, this, this is something I wanted to come on to as well. I mean, my feelings are quite well known at this point, I think, on the subject of in-media res. You know, once or twice it actually works. This, but Who thinks this is a good idea to start a film this way? You know, the, the film starts with the, with the main character, all bloodied, sort of suddenly waking up. You know, she's been unconscious and she's suddenly come around and, and then we sort of jump back. So... You've already set up like so many expectations in your audience. It's like, well, okay, now I kind of know what's going to happen. You know, she's either going to be the last survivor or, you know, maybe there's one final twist, but I know we're going to get to this particular point. And, and it sort of detracts from your viewing pleasure of the rest of the film because you're no longer sort of thinking about what's happening now. You're thinking about, well, how is it going to join up to what you've already shown me? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just doesn't, it never really works for me. I, I, it, I can kind of see why they want to do it. You know, they, they want to start the film with a job, get, get people, you know, get the hooks in early. But no, it, it doesn't, I can never really sort of fathom why you want to do it. Why start your film off that way? You know, why why, why give everything away in your first second? You've already got people sat, sat watching your film. Why do you need to do that? It's, it's beyond me. It really is. Yeah, it's kind of a done-to-death 
kind of convention, yes, isn't it? it? Absolutely. Especially has. of this kind yeah. of sort of slasherish kind of movie. Yeah, it absolutely has. Um, what else was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty nasty, you know, um, sort of streak to this film. It's quite bloodthirsty. There are a couple of pretty nasty kill scenes uh, along the way. Um, I, I did like the way it sort of like ropes in other people. Like, you know, there's a cop that turns up, there's a parole officer. You know, um, it's not just like a psychological cat and mouse thing going on here. You know, there's quite a bit of blood being thrown around as well. Um, and, and there's a pretty neat sort of red herring, sort of about two thirds, two three quarters of the way through, which was which was a nice sort of setup as well. And again, I was thinking, but even then, I'm thinking. Well, she, that person can't be the real killer because that would just be insane. <laughs> Her motivation for killing everyone is what exactly? So, yeah, no, that, that didn't quite work either. But um, it was a nice sort of red herring anyway. Um, so the director of this is, I'm going to say Patrick Reynolds. I'm not terrible with pronunciations. Um, now, he did a film back in 2011 called Rites of Spring, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. What sort of um, film was that? Well, it's a mashup between a sort of heist movie and a horror movie. So you have, like, some bank robbers who just robbed this bank, end up on a farm to sort of hide out. But on the farm, the, um, the farmer has a demon kept in a pit that he has to sacrifice people to every spring. All right. Um, Sounds yeah, like Jackface. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's one of those sort of like, um, you know, sort of people having to do bad things in order for the greater good, mm. which is a theme I really like to, to you know to, to see explored. So yeah, a little bit like um, from Dust Till Dawn, kind of thing. You know, where you got like a sort of heist movie kidnapping thing going on, and then sort of round about the halfway point you get this other element, sort of supernatural element being brought into it. Um, so that was pretty good. I, th- I thought this was um, pretty well made. As you said, probably a little bit generic. Um, interestingly, it was shot in Serbia. Did you pick up on that? Uh, on the end credits I did, yeah. It was kind of, um, I think all the in- interiors and stuff were were shot there. So, the uh, yeah, that's not something you come across very often. No, yeah, sort of, you know, small town America been uh, been done by Serbia these days. I suppose. I think they just went there to, you know, and sort of recreated the sets and, you know, sort of a, a, low, a very sort of affordable location, sort of gave them a lot more for their budget. I expect, you know, it's, it's quite. It's, I think that's quite common now. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they actually had, uh, I think that the exteriors were done like. Minnesota, or I'm not sure. I can't remember what it said there, where the where the um, American footage was taken. But uh, yeah, I think that's probably what it, uh, pro- that's probably what they've done. They've tried to match a, yeah. a, an interior set, which makes sense. I mean, that's, that's quite a common thing. This happens quite a lot. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off track track here. Um, how are we going to score this, Rich? I'm going to, just because I found it a bit too generic and I wasn't really connecting to it, I'm just going to go for a middle of the road five on this one. Mm-hmm. That's a bit unfair. Well, I'm going to stick this with a seven out of ten, but, but it's sort of more sort of fair to middling 
seven as opposed to Arkansas, which was definitely a high seven. So yeah, a five and a seven for uh, over 24 hours. Our short shot this week is do no harm. In a private hospital, a gangster is undergoing surgery when a gang of thugs come in and intervene. Uh, that is the bare bones uh, synopsis for this one, Rich. Uh, having watched this, I, all I can say is, oh my God, this is damn good stuff. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so we have a, um, a nurse in the room who turns out to have a certain special set of skills. Yeah, it's got a particular um, set of skills. Particular set of skills, uh, especially to do with a scalpel. Ouch. Um, just a little bit, yeah. I mean, we're talking raid-style sort of gore here, you know, amidst all the fighting. Uh, really, 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 really impressive uh, short, this one. Really good stuff. Yeah, normally we go for that quite newly released stuff or within the last year. This one's from 2017, uh, but it's just so good. I, f I felt we had to to highlight it. It's uh, it became available on Vimeo, I think, a year or two ago. Uh, made by uh, director, a writer and director, Roseanne Liang, uh, and it stars Marsha Yun as the uh, the main the, the surgeon character who you know takes. Uh, Ex extreme measures to protect the life of her patient when uh, some assassin, you know, some guys come in and they want to take him out. Uh, as the story unfolds, we discover the reasons for, you know, her intense uh, yeah, yeah. devotion to to said uh, to said patient, uh, and we get a great payoff. It's a nice little story. It's twelve minutes. Uh, uh, Marsha Yun's character is really good. Very, you know, she doesn't say a lot, um, but you know, she, her actions speak very loudly. The, the the moment she takes a scalpel and like literally swipes it down a guy's arm, it is like and as soon as you as soon as you see that, like, which is like one of the first actions that she takes when she's confronted with these guys, you know she's serious. And uh, this is this is very much a film with kind of a fury kind of potential for a feature. I know they're trying to make, or they were. Uh, at the time, trying to make this into a, a feature, I think it works great just as a short. To be honest, because I think that some of the ideas have been explored quite fully uh, in in other films and that. But this, uh, as a as a fantastically entertaining short with excellent choreography by a guy called uh, uh, Tim Wong, I think uh, it's it's up there. It's from New Zealand, uh, and uh, yeah, I think that the whole thing just. It just skips. It just moves along so quickly. The performance is great. The performance is great. The you know the the, the camera work is superb. Yeah. Um, the lighting in the room. Yeah. It, it just looks so crisp and everything. And yeah, the the, the action. Uh, you know, I, I just wasn't expecting it at all. It, it was just so good. Um, yeah, definitely one of the best shorts we've seen this year. And we've seen some really good stuff. So um, yeah. Not a lot to not a lot more we can say. As I said, it's only sort of twelve minutes. But um yeah, absolutely worth seeing. Yeah, I would say this is one of my favourite shorts of all the shorts we've ever watched. Uh, one of mm. it's definitely way up there. Uh you know. Absolutely. It's it's hard uh, this this is hard to beat. I've watched it twice now. 
uh, and I think you could, it's got that rewatchable uh, quality to it. Yeah, this is this is the sort of thing why we like to sort of highlight the shorts, you know, um, because there's just so much good talent out there, uh, and this is sort of one of those, you know, cases of all the right talent getting together on the same project and, and just knocking it out of the park. Uh, really, really, really can't emphasize this enough. Check out the short. The link will be in the um, in the footnotes. Um, just really, really check it out. Be warned, though, it is pretty bloodthirsty. So, you know, whoever you're watching it with, just, just fair warning. If you're not following or if you don't, if you don't follow the link, uh, just look for it. It's on Vimeo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Stormtrooper. Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Two people have infiltrated a top-secret military facility and are on the run. Must be captured immediately. All hands! All hands! <laughs> Grace is a victim of spousal abuse at the hands of a callous, controlling husband, Randall, and is still grieving over the death of their son, which she blames Randall for. On a dark and stormy night, Grace finally cracks and takes an opportunity to get revenge. However, her ordeal isn't quite over yet, as a wounded stranger falls into her lap, being pursued by government agents. Now, I had no idea what the hell I was getting into, Rich, as, as usual with the DTV throwbacks. Usually you've, you've found something I've not even heard of, let alone, um, you know, might have come across in the past. But, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun, um, I have to say. Very entertaining, very silly. Um, there, there is just one thing before we get into most of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I just think this will call up the poster um, on IMDb. Uh, I wonder if you know what I'm going to be talking about. No, it's not a great poster. No, it's not. It's, it's not the poster. It's the tagline um, that um, IMDb uses to describe the film. Oh, is it? Okay. Is it the ultimate cop, cop, judge, jury, and executioner all in one? Judge, all in one. Now, what was interesting, you know, after this sort of great opening of these sort of two people trying to escape this facility that I just mentioned, uh, then we sort of cut to um, sort of Carol Alt's character, um, Grace, with a dog, and then her husband turns up, who's like a, um, a highway patrol cop, you know, mm -hmm. a motorcycle cop. Yeah. And straight away, you know, he's just an abusive arsehole. You know, um, the way she reacts to him. Yeah. Not so much what he says originally, you know, but, and I'm watching this, and, uh, you know, I just have to sort of flick over to this um, IMDb page where it says the, you know, the ultimate cop, judge, jury, and executioner all in one. And I'm thinking, is this guy meant to be the protagonist? Oh. This, this sort of rapey, abusive, in a sort of wife-beating guy is going to turn out to be our hero, <laughs> which just that would have been really, weird. It would have been really weird, but at, at that point, because you know I knew nothing about this film at all, I you know I thought this could be a very strange film indeed. But then things take a, a completely different turn, as as, as you're well aware. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the cast of this one. So Carol Alt is not somebody I'm particularly familiar with, um, but has a big 
sort of following on IMDb from the looks of things. Lots of people sort of commenting as to why, why on earth are you in this film? Um, but she's been around for quite a while. She was in Crackerjack 2, among other things. Um, so yeah, lots of, you know, sort of TV series and films that she's been in over the years. Um, but then we got Zach Gallagher. Well, I think we've skipped over John Lawlin. He's the second major, major character. Uh, so he's for, he was most well known at the time for being in The Rock, although I don't remember him. He's not a particularly memorable uh, presence, I no. think. Uh, but he is he's the sort of the main the other main character here. Sorry to get back to uh, Zach Galligan, obviously, who everyone would immediately recognise when they when they watch the film. He looks yes. exactly the same as he did in Gremlins, basically. But now he's he evil and he's got a beard. Yeah, he's got a goatee. Exactly the same with a goatee. Very very weird. Um, but not the sort of person you'd expect in, in this, you know, at all. And, and not just um, him, but also his Gremlins co-star, Corey Feldman, also with an evil goatee. And, and an eye patch. And an eye patch, yeah. Eye patch. It's very important that he's got an eye patch, uh, as we find out later on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so this was... You know, it was quite a bit of fun, this one. Um, so sort of the way it sort of throws together this sort of kitchen sink drama element with this yeah. sort of, um, you know, what, what sort of develops into sort of like a bargain basement sort of terminator sort of scenario um, at the end. It's quite interesting. Yeah, it's um, definitely coming, you know, combining lots of different elements. And I think it's that domestic violence uh set up that first part of the story that sort of really makes it stand out amongst the, you know, because yeah, so, other films were kind of just sort of spun, maybe spun their wheels for those first half, for that first half an hour before, before the main action kicks in. But this gets, sets up a lot. There's a lot that happens with her character. It's not just, sort of, it just dives straight in. Yeah. Not, not just her character, but you know, um, it doesn't sort of, you know, set anything up. Just like, nope, we're, we're in the middle of this chase straight away. Um, the other thing with this is uh, what was a bit laughable is that when sort of John Loughlin's character is trying to escape and people are chasing him, this whole facility is after them. And it's like, oh, there he is, and sort of chasing him. And then he, he, round, he goes around a corner and they just stop running. They're like, oh, we better call it in. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's like, oh, we almost had him, sir. If we kept running around the corner, we might have caught him, but we thought we'd better call you first. You know, there's this sort of weird sort of stuff going on. Did you recognise uh, the location of the facility? No. No, it's kind of it's 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 been used it's in it. so many different films. Uh, in the, I, in, I sorry. Was it our friends at Project Metal Beast? Uh, I don't know if it was used in that. I'm pretty sure it's the same place that was used in stuff like Biodome with Paulie Shaw. It's like this futuristic kind of looking building. It turns up in so many B-movies in the 90s. I've read an article which says what the name of the actual place is. Here it's supposed to be what, what they call the Tannis Corporation. Uh, oh, so it's the evil government types working on a, a, a secret project which are, um, are sort of escapee main character. Is, uh, has been an experimental, uh, you know, there's a bit of a, there's, oh, there's so many different elements in this from, from different things, but it's kind of uh, a 
I think I've, meant, I've mentioned to you before a film, film called Automatic, which I hope we'll get to uh, yeah. at some point. But there's a whole kind of protecting, protecting a, a young woman from from uh, from, uh, from danger uh, in a in a building story there. Uh, and Olivia Groon is this, say, the protective sort of character. Uh, and in this case, we get that same sort of setup, but it's just in like a house in the country. Uh, yeah. And but I think the film actually uses its very limited location really well. The 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 story is quite tight. There's not really any fat on it. There's a lot going on. There's lots of characters being you know. There's a whole team of mercenaries and whatever who come up who, who have to come after him and that. So which is all just sort of, to a large extent it becomes filler. But they've all got sort of quite memorable moments. You know the leaders. You know got the, sort of like these jerky. You know. Jerky characters who, who get get their get their um, mean lines and stuff, and uh, we cut to the uh, to the brass basically, you know, talking about the situation, you know, oh, well, it's going to be your head kind of thing, and uh, and there's also one of the guys, he's got like a shady guy sitting in sitting in the shadows in a chair, mm. just sort of waiting to be sent on a to be sent out to do is like dirty. Uh, dirty work and stuff. Yeah. There's, lo- there's loads of that. Tim A. Bell, actually, who are playing um, the abusive husband, really good. We've seen him in stuff going way back, to, you know, like um, Sniper Special Ops. He was the lead in that. Uh, the, the main lead, not the, you know, Cigar was supposed to be the lead, but Tim A. Bell was really the lead. Um, and obviously, he's been in tons of stuff. He was tons of stuff in the 90s and, and onward. But uh, this, I think, is one of his best roles. He, it's really meaty. He gets to be a real piece of work. Uh, and you 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 do buy you completely buy into his character and her you know fear of him his controlling yeah. very much a sleeping with the element enemy uh, element to it yeah exactly yeah and the, fact, then, you know, the way he sort of like isolated her and things yeah like this. yes absolutely yeah because he put he's tucked her away so no no you know we want to be away from the city and stuff so he's essentially cornered her away and she can't get out she can't get out she's trapped. Uh, but then over the course, I mean, it happens ridiculously quickly in typical sort of B-movie sort of fashion. But she really transforms, you know, mm-hmm. so she starts off very, very weak. She gathers that strength to confront her husband and, you know, it, things go a bit more to it. And that changes her. And then yeah. it's other stuff. you know. So we've got the, you know, the storm, uh, stormy weather, it's dark and, you know, bad guys are coming in and she has to. You know, she has to become even stronger, and then by the end, she's literally transformed into like a Marvel superhero kind of character, like a Black she Widow. Is, kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a female version of um, Nick Fury, almost at the yeah. end, with the, with, the, with the eye patch and everything. Um, yeah, it turns very cartoony. That that, that final final is, moment. It, that final scene, I'm thinking, right, where's the sequel? <laughs> you know, we need the sequel right now <laughs> to this. Uh, because obviously, you know, things aren't going to be left there, hopefully. But, um, yeah, again, it's another film, like we were talking in previous episodes, um, you know, sh- shady government organisations who are, like, super, super paranoid. And, you know, sort of failure isn't an option. Um, and, and I like that sort of scene at the end where he goes, you know, this, this is your um, resignation papers. And he, he opens the envelope and there's a gun, basically. You know, uh, but again, it was you know it's a really well done sort of little scene. Um, 
Did you notice they all have the the, the the brass when they're in the offices? Did you notice they, they don't have main lights on? They, they've all got, like, desk lamps, mm. <laughs> so, which I thought was really unusual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely low budget. There are some sort of silly scenes, like when, when Tom Lofkin um, escapes, um, he, he finds, like, a shed full of weapons and, and grenades and things, you know. Uh, and when he walks out the shed, there's a guy sat on a motorbike just minding his own business, you know, um, to be knocked out and have his motorbike stolen, which is just like plain ridiculous. You know, the whole base is supposed to be on alert. And this guy is sort of like cleaning his fingernails while sat on a motor, his motorbike. Um, well, the character you know, starts out he's, um, when, they're, when, when he escapes because it's him and a, and a girl um, or a woman, I should say. <laughs> and they're both naked. And he knocks out a guy, you know, and um, he he takes his clothes, boots, and, and stuff, and, and he's he's dressed all in this leather stuff. So it's very much Terminator 2, you know, when yeah. where Army appears and he gets the leather jacket and everything. But they so they kind of do that Terminator bit at the beginning. I guess like, you could sort of see it. As, you could sort of say it's done as foreshadowing, really, because mm. it goes it kind of goes full Terminator later on. But the um, and again, it was a nice touch as well when it, when it does go sort of full Terminator and the reasons behind it. I, yeah, I, I actually like that bit as well. Well, it twists yeah. it, doesn't it? Because then yeah. it's kind of like the hero. He's, he's kind of a hero, heroic character, but then it goes a bit wrong, and then she has to become even stronger at that point. Um, it's it's a it's 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 such a great journey for the character, and you know, where his character as well. And we get all these great supporting characters like Zach Galligan and. Corey Feldman doesn't really have anything to do at all, really. He gets, like, one scene, I think. Um, he delivers an eye patch. Yeah, that's what he does, yeah. But Zach Galligan's there, and it's, it's quite fun. And the, the I liked all the... I just thought that the whole package just works really well. It's from director Jim Wynorski, who's quite a reliable deliverer of B-movie thrills. Uh, and there's a there's a fantastic motorcycle truck chase bit where the, which ends with the truck exploding and stuff which looks really great which funnily enough is actually grafted in from another movie that he made several years earlier uh, he did uh, yeah. nine, uh, 976 evil 2 in i think 1991 and this was made in 1997 so what he did he, he took that big big you know quite you know what would have been a quite costly scene to do and they just sort of grafted it into this but it's quite seamless i think it works really really well yeah um, really fits well. You wouldn't really notice. Uh, you know, you don't. You won't. You only notice if you look it up. Really, the the, the matching is done, all done really well. Yeah, I, I I think this is one of the best B movies of the nineties. It's really good. Uh, you know, it's um, sort of. I wasn't really sort of, as I said, didn't know who the sort of main actress was. But um, nor do I. I still don't really. <laughs> definitely worth checking out. Um. It's on Amazon Prime. We'll put a link to it, uh, or a link to the trailer anyway, as usual. Um, yeah, rough around the edges for sure, but very, very entertaining. Yeah. And that's the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich for joining in. No problem at all, sir. Check out uh, Do Note Harm on um, Vimeo. We'll put the link in the footnotes. Um, thank you for listening and tune in again next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time. <laughs>